0: Good morning, everyone. Hey, so good to have all of you at all of our churches, Bluntstown, Shipley, and Marianne. And by the way, Bluntstown, it was awesome to get to spend last Sunday with you guys. Got to be there for the 9 o'clock and 10.30 service. Got to say hi to so many of you uh, that I hadn't seen in a long time. feel like, wow, it was just amazing. It was a great day getting to celebrate with you and listen to Matt from Bluntstown. That was pretty, pretty cool as well. So, uh, man, Bluntstown, I just want to say you guys are killing it, doing an amazing job. And... um, you know, I love you. Oh, man, I love you guys so much because um, if it hadn't been for the vision you guys had, Mariana wouldn't exist. Chipley wouldn't exist. Color wouldn't exist. Fairhope wouldn't exist. Um, Madison, Alabama wouldn't exist, man. So, um, hey, Mariana and Chipley, can we give it up for Bluntstown being the foundation for our jerk <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Wow that yeah, was really cool and i just want to say thank you to all of our churches for just absolutely leaning in and being for our communities i mean blustown mariana chipley All of you guys are doing such a great job, and I just want to say, if you're sitting at any of our churches this morning, and you want to feel the momentum of the process of what God has been doing in the life of this church for so many years, I mean, I would encourage you to get involved in serving. You can let us know you want to be a part of that process, either going to engage or going by the gallery and having a conversation, or maybe you just want to say, I want to help fund this whole thing and just see God continue to do more amazing things, I mean, I got to Walk through the children's area uh, this morning uh, in Mariana and just see all the excited kids. Uh, Man, they are ready to go today. It's just pretty cool. And hey, make sure today at all of our campuses you're high-fiving somebody who's serving in Upstreet or Wombaland because they are going to have their hands full because they got some pumped up kids, right? But I just want to say thank you to all of you who help continue to fund the mission and vision of this church, especially to make our children's environments the best hour of a kid's week. It wouldn't be possible if you didn't do those kind of things. So if you want to give, and as we've told you so many times, you can drop it in the giving boxes on your way out or you can go to our app and you can um, give on our app as well. So just thank you so much. And for those of us that um, just get the benefit from that because my children, they went through Wambelan and Upstreet and they went through our student ministry as well, Inside Out and Transit. It's made a huge difference in their life. I watched it make the difference in so many people's uh, children's lives. It's why we're so committed to that. Um, So thank you for those of you that just continue to help serve and give to fund the mission and vision of, man, just leading our kids into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Now, we are in week three of our series entitled Questions, and for the past two weeks, we have been exploring some questions that I think all of us have wondered about from time to time, but maybe, as Matt said, we didn't feel like we had the opportunity or we didn't feel like we were free to ask those kind of questions in church. In fact, these questions all matter to us because every one of us, at some point in time, we made a mess in our lives. Think about that. Look back to your life. Some of of your messes have come from bad choices that you made, and you knew they were bad choices when you made them. Other times, we make a mess in our life because we think we're making like a really good decision, but we didn't see the catch. We didn't see the hidden consequences of that choice that we've made. So we all, if we just stop to look at our lives, we've all made messes. We've made messes in our personal life. We've made messes in our relationships. We've made messes in our careers. And, And what those messes have done for many of us is they've created a lot of guilt guilt, and shame, and disappointment, and grief in our life, and many of you are carrying that kind of baggage around with you today. And many of you, because you're carrying that kind of baggage around today, you feel like, or maybe you even fear, that you're going to have to carry that baggage of grief, and shame, and guilt, and regret with you for the rest of your life. So our goal in this series has not been to pile more guilt on you for the messes that you've made. Instead, what we've been trying to do in this process is to let you know that the Bible provides answers for those questions that we have that seem like they're overwhelming that maybe you've not had the opportunity to ask any, any, and the Bible also gives us the answer to those questions so that we can be encouraged and understand that there's hope on the other side of the mess. And I'm telling you, when, when we get done with today's conversation today, I think you're gonna find that it's gonna be more freeing and give you more hope than maybe what you ever imagined that you could have in your life. Now, for the last two weeks, we've looked at two of these questions and the answers that God gives us. In fact, in the first week, he, Matt, Matt answered the question of, will God forgive me? And the answer was, yes, yes. God offers to forgive us of those things that that we have done in our past, but he doesn't just offer, he's so gracious. So he gives to us a thing that we've been craving all along and that is forgiveness. The second week Matt addressed the question of Does God love me like I am? And the answer to that is absolutely yes, because as we learned last week, the way that you know that somebody loves you or somebody cares about you is they they care about you enough to give you the truth, but to show you grace at the same time, 100% truth, 100% grace. See, when they accept you just the way you are, but they love you way too much to leave you that way. So we learned that. Now, here's the thing I want to tell you. If you were unable to be with us for the past two weeks, I would really encourage you to go back and watch or listen to those talks um, on our app or on our website because Matt did an amazing, amazing job um, with, with those talks. Now, for many of you today, your question may not be, um, uh, does God love me and you know, does God love me the way I am and can God forgive me? Maybe your question is a whole lot more, well, I understand that God forgives me and I know that God loves me, but my question is, how do I forgive myself? Because the truth is, Many of you are continually and constantly punishing yourself for your past. In fact, many of you, you're kind of caught in the trap of shame and guilt and regret. And you find yourself all the time in your mind playing this game, the if-only kind of game. If only I knew back then what I know today. If only I could erase some of my past. If only I could start over. If only I had listened to them. If only I for, could forgive myself. See, the truth is we all have regrets. We all have shame. We all have guilt because nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. I mean, think about it. We've all sinned. We've all stumbled. We've all said foolish things. We've all made bad decisions. We all have done things to hurt ourselves. We've all done things to hurt other people. We've all done things to hurt God. In fact, one person said this years ago. They said something like this. They said, just like it's, it's a natural consequence when you cut yourself that you bleed, whenever you violate your conscience, you automatically have regret. But here's the thing. God never designed us. God's will is never for us to live with that shame and that regret and that guilt. He never meant for you to carry that with you all the time. He wants you to be free and you can be free if you learn to forgive yourself. Now, a great example in scripture for how to forgive yourself and then move forward for your future and looking forward to the future that God has for you, to understand your purpose and the calling that God has for you, was a guy that most of you probably know about or heard about. His name is the Apostle Peter. He's one of my favorite characters in Scripture. Some of you think, well, Paul would be my favorite character in Scripture. No, because I got compared to the Apostle Paul all the days I was growing up, you know, you know, I, I, and then here's the thing, this is the interesting thing is now that I'm adult looking back and I was just this little hellion kind of thing, you know, I, I understand they were comparing me trying to say like, why can't you be more like Paul on the Christian side of it? But I was a whole lot like Paul before he became a Christian. Right. But they just didn't understand that. And if I'd have known that as a young kid, I could have said, I am being like Paul, you know, um, But here's the thing. Peter's one of my favorite guys in Scripture. And and if you're not familiar with Peter, I would really encourage you to go read about his incredible story in the New Testament, especially the Gospels and the book of Acts. But for our conversation today, I want to fast forward in Peter's life to the night of Jesus' arrest. And you can find this story in Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 31. I'm just going to pick some highlights from this before we get into the main part of our text. So Jesus is having dinner with his disciples during what we now call the Last Supper. And during that evening, he announces to his disciples his own impending death and his resurrection. And at that supper, Peter, very boldly, he promises Jesus that I'm going to be with you to the very end, Jesus, even if it means that I have to die. And then Jesus turns to Peter and he says this in Matthew 26, verse 34. He says, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Keep this idea of three times in your mind. And when Jesus said this, this greatly offended Peter. And Peter's like, oh, no, 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 that's not gonna happen. I'm gonna gonna go with you to the very end and Jesus, I would die for you. In fact, he says, he says, Jesus, if all the other disciples abandon you, I will never abandon you. Basically, he says, I am more committed to you than all the rest of these disciples sitting around this table. But that same night, Matthew tells us that when Jesus was arrested and he was taken into custody, and don't you to miss this, Peter, instead of being up close with Jesus, he followed Jesus at a distance. And whenever Jesus was taken to campus, the high priest's house, Peter didn't go in the house. Instead, he sort of mingled out here, outside, away from Jesus and what was going on. And then a the little slave girl, she comes up to Jesus and she asks him if he was one of Jesus' followers. And Peter denied it saying, no, I don't know who you're talking about. And he moved further away from Jesus. Then another servant girl, she comes up to him and she's also in front of some other people. She says, I think this is one of Jesus' disciples. I'm pretty sure this guy was with Jesus. And Matthew says that Peter denied it with an O saying, I don't even know the man. Literally, when he says he denied it with the oath, he's saying he was very emphatic that he didn't know Jesus. And then later on, some more people they come up to to Peter because of his accent and they say, You gotta be one of Jesus' followers. And Matthew tells us this in Matthew 26, verse 74. He said, Then he, referring to Peter, he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Don't miss that last line. He went outside and wept bitterly. Listen, we've all had those times, haven't we? When we turned our back on Jesus, when we turned our back on someone that we loved, when we turned our back on our own values and our own standards, when we turned back our turned our back on what we knew was right and what we knew was best. And the result was is we were broken to the core. And many of you, you have wept bitterly because of it. And for many of us, our issue wasn't that we denied the Son of God with cursing and swearing. It wasn't that. For you it was maybe it was a mistake that you made, maybe it was a failure that you had, maybe for you it was a sin that you sinned against someone that you were in a relationship with or sin against God, and now you're feeling the guilt and the shame and the regret of that. Maybe it's because you missed an opportunity that God placed in front of you for a career because you made some decisions that sabotaged that. Maybe it was because you sabotaged your life in some other ways because of some bad decisions. Or or maybe it was because you lived your life so far outside of God's will for a season and God's best for your life for a season that it has some results and consequences right now that you are feeling all kind of shame and guilt and regret because of that. But here's the thing that we learned in week one in this series. It's not an issue of whether you were forgiven by God. You are forgiven by God. God has chosen to forgive you. All you have to do is ask for it and receive it. The harder question comes, will I forgive myself? So back to our question that we're addressing today. How do I forgive myself? Well, the good news is there are some lessons from Peter's sin against God and his failure in his relationship with Jesus that we learn from him that become steps for us to take in order to forgive ourselves. Now, there is no question that Peter blew it. There is no question that Peter royally messed up. I mean, he denied knowing Jesus not just one time, but three times, and he denied it cursing and swearing, saying, I don't know the man. He cursed and sweared, as one person said, like a sailor, you know, because he was one, right? Now, here's the thing. Before Peter was going to be able to forgive himself, this is so important for you to understand, before Peter was going to be able to forgive himself, Jesus knew that Peter had to know that Jesus still loved him and Jesus had a plan for his life. Don't miss that. Jesus knew that before Peter would be able to forgive himself that Peter needed to know that Jesus still loved him and still had a plan for for his life. In fact, knowing God still loves you and has forgiven you or offered forgiveness to you. And then accepting his forgiveness, I'm telling you, it is the first step in forgiving yourself. In fact, one of my favorite verses about Peter's life, and it's a reminder of God's love and forgiveness, especially toward Peter. It comes from the Easter story, and we find it in Mark chapter 16. Let me just kind of give you a little quick context about it. Some women, they've shown up at Jesus' tomb on the third day and, his, and they're going to put some spices on his body. And um, here's the thing you have to understand. Only when they get there, they find the stone has been rolled away from the tomb and they find his burial clothes wrapped, folded neatly inside of that tomb. And a couple of angels appear to clear up their confusion about what was happening. And the angels give the women these instructions. Don't miss this. This is so powerful. Because here's why this is powerful. Remember, Mark was the one that scribed the gospel of Mark. But Peter was the one that narrated the gospel of Mark. It's Peter's story of Jesus' life and ministry. So don't miss this when you see this. But go tell his disciples. This is the angel speaking. But go tell his disciples and... Peter, that was so important that Peter had Mark write that as well. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. How important was knowing he was still loved and on Jesus' heart to Peter, he had Mark put it in there. So important that the angels told the women, hey, you go give this message to his disciples, including Peter. Let Peter know that even though he's messed up, Jesus is alive and he's forgiven. Be sure, tell Peter, here's the point. We all need to know that God not only forgives your general sins, but God forgives that specific sin. See, here's the thing. Peter needed to know that God forgave him, not just in this general kind of way, but that God forgave the specific sin that he committed against Jesus. And here's what I know about many of you at many of our our churches, and that is this. It's really easy for many of you to come to God for general for forgiveness. We do that all the time, don't we? Every day, you pretty much do that. God, please forgive me of all my sins. And God will forgive us of our sins. But if we're honest, most of the time, It's that specific sin or those specific couple of sins in our life that we have the most problem forgiving ourselves for. See, it's those few sins in our life where we really blew it or we really hurt someone or we we just really messed up. Against God or other people that causes a guilt, that causes a shame, that causes a regret. And for many of you, God wants you to know that he has forgiven you for your specific sin or those specific sins that are causing that shame and that guilt and that regret. For those things that are weighing you down, that burden, that baggage that you're carrying. In fact, I think if the angels were here this morning, talking to you as they spoke to the women, they would say something like this, but go tell his disciples and you put your name in the blank. You put your name in the blank because Jesus wants you to know that he still loves you and that his forgiveness is available to you no matter what you've done. Don't miss this. God not only forgives your general sins, but God also forgives that very specific sin. But go tell the disciples, and put your name there. So the first step of forgiving yourself is this. It's accept God's forgiveness for your specific sin. And that's so hard for some of you because you're like, oh, you don't know how bad I blew it. You don't know how bad I messed up. The cross is not enough. And Jesus says, oh yes, it is. The cross is enough. So you first have to receive God's forgiveness and then you can offer forgiveness to yourself. Because the thing is, Jesus, he settled this issue of forgiveness on the cross. But I'm telling you, you have to recognize that you are completely forgiven for that specific sin, for every sin, even that specific one. But you have to then offer if you're ever gonna offer forgiveness to yourself. So forgiving myself requires that I accept God's forgiveness, that's number one. The second thing is, if I'm gonna forgive myself, is, and John John records this. In fact, if if you're following your Bibles, go to John chapter 21. So the second step in forgiving myself, we find in the last chapter of uh, John's account of Jesus' life, John chapter one, and it says this. Here's how John lays it out. Afterward, referring to after the resurrection, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. And then he tells the story. Because of time, I'm not going to read every verse, but I'm just going to tell you the story. So basically what happened is Peter's disciples, Peter and the other disciples, they're not sure exactly what's going to happen yet because of Jesus. Even though he's rose from the dead, they really didn't know everything that was going to happen. So they go fishing. They do what's comfortable. They go fishing. And John tells us that they had fished all night and they caught no fish, right? That sounds kind of familiar, right? We've heard that story before, right? But it happened another time previously. Don't miss that. So they're fishing all night. They catch no fish. And then Jesus is standing on the seashore and he calls out to them early in the morning, have you caught anything? And they reply back, not a thing. So Jesus tells them, hey, cast your net on the other side of the boat and they do. And when they do, they catch so many fish, they can't even pull them in. And about that moment, John realizes that that's not just a friendly neighbor that's passing by on the seashore, but he begins to go, this has happened before, and I know that voice, and this happened the last time. And he goes, that's Jesus. And then he looks at Peter and he goes, oh, by the way, Peter, I know you can't see really good or hear very well, but that's Jesus. And you know what Peter does? He jumps in the water and he swims ashore. And John tells us that when Peter got to shore, the first thing he did or first thing he saw, notice this in verse nine, here's what it says. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Now, this statement of fire of burning coals is very important to note because I'm sure at this point in Peter's life, the most painful memory that he had was around a fire of burning coals when he was cursing like a sailor that he did not know who Jesus was. But on this fire of burning coals was not shame and was not guilt and was not accusation but an invitation of the Savior from the Savior of the world to step back into a relationship with him and join him for breakfast. Jesus is inviting some of you to have breakfast with him again this morning. Because for some of you, it's been a long time since you felt free to sit down and have fellowship with Jesus because of this baggage of guilt and shame and regret because of this one sin. And you've kind of avoided him but he's inviting you to come sit and have fellowship with him again. But here's the thing, that's not all that happened at this morning experience with Peter. In one of the longest conversations recorded recorded for us between Jesus and another person in the gospels, Jesus asked Peter three times, questions. It's very significant. He asked him three questions, starting in verse 15 of chapter 21. Notice what happens. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Literally, do you love me with the highest level of love, unconditional kind of love? Do you really love me more than these? Because remember what Peter had proclaimed at that dinner? I, I'll be with you even if all the rest, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you, but it's not agape love. He goes, ah, it's just, a, it's just kind of a, the best kind of love I can give you, a friendship kind of love. And Jesus said, well, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, Lord, you know that I love you. Again, he replies, I love you at the best possible level that I can. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, He said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Don't miss this line. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. Literally, God, you know my heart. You know my desire is to agape love you, the highest level of love for you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then he said to him, follow me. So here's the question. How does Jesus bring healing to a heart filled with so much shame, so much regret so that they can forgive themselves? Well, Jesus revealed to Peter that while he failed to keep his word to Jesus, that was the hurt part. See, part of forgiving ourselves is we do have to turn and look at that failure, that sin. But it's just a moment. We, we, we admit it. We say, yes, it's there. But then Jesus Had to remind Peter, yes, while that happened, I still have a future plan for you. Remember Peter's boast at the Last Supper? He told Jesus, if all these other disciples abandon you, Lord, I'm never gonna abandon you. And then Jesus says, asked Peter three times. He says, do you love me? And one time he said, do you love me more than these? And it's not to remind Peter of his failure, but to reveal the future that Jesus still has for Peter's life. Literally what Jesus is doing in this conversation is he's allowing Peter to have a reset in his heart by restating his commitment to Jesus. And as he resets his heart he and resets his commitment to Jesus, Jesus uses this conversation to reveal the plans, the future that he has for Peter. Three times, don't miss this, three times Peter denied Jesus, and three times Jesus let Peter reset his heart by restating his commitment to Jesus. And as Peter restates his commitment... Jesus is then revealing, I have a greater plan. I have a greater purpose. I still have an incredible future for you. See, he restored Peter by giving him a personal commission. He said, I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to take care of my sheep. I want you to feed my sheep. Oh, and Peter, just come and walk beside me. Just follow me. Now, I'm just going to tell you, this second step is going to be the hardest one for most of you to take if you're struggling to forgive yourself. And that is this. I have to forgive myself and focus on the future." See, I talk to so many people who say, I blew it. I, I really made a mistake. I sinned against God. I sinned against this person. And I'm going to have to live with this the rest of my life. They've literally doomed themselves to that whole sentence of, I always am going to have to do life looking in the back. They've sentenced themselves to unhappiness for the rest of their life because they made a mistake. They sentenced themselves to no future because of their past. And the truth is, God loves to give people second chances. It is his nature. It is his grace. That is what the cross reminds us of it's what the resurrection declares is possible your past is your past it's over it's done it's finished and people say things like this well you can't unscramble eggs yes you can you can make omelets out of them though here's the thing right See, God promises. He says, I I will restore beauty where there were ashes. I I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten away. So Jesus is saying to many of you this morning, I want to make your life count. I want to help you restate your commitment to me so that I can reveal this amazing future that I still hold in my hands for you. See, God has a plan for every one of you because God still knows all of your potential because he gave it to you. You did not lose your gifts. You did not lose your calling because of your sin he still has a plan he has a future for your life see there's nothing you can do that can limit God's plan for your life as long as you're willing to turn to God ask for forgiveness receive that forgiveness and then be willing to forgive yourself now some of you are sitting there thinking that's great that God forgives me and with his help I might even be able to forgive myself but what I do with the mess that I made what do I do with all these consequences that I'm still suffering? What do I do with the memory of the way that I failed? What do you do with that? Let me tell you what you do with all of that. Write these three words down. You use it. You use it. And you go, what do you, what do you mean by that? Here's the important truth that you really need to know. God does heal the wound. But sometimes, most of the time, God allows the scar to remain because he has a purpose for those scars. See, see, we all come to Jesus with scars, don't we? We all come with brokenness. We all come with hurts. We all come with scars of sin and mistakes. But God's intention is to heal our past wounds, to bind together all of our hurts that we have in our life. And sometimes he doesn't remove the scar. He allows that weakness of that scar to remain. Why? So that he can empower us as wounded healers to go out and help those who are struggling with the same kind of thing, the same kind of consequences, the same kind of bad decisions. See, that's how God is best glorified. In fact, the apostle Paul, he opened a second letter to the Corinthians with saying that's what God wants to do with those scars. That's how people are best helped when we allow God to empower our weaknesses and our mistakes to help other people. So the third step is this. I use my mistakes to help others experience God's forgiveness as well. Peter did just that. Peter denied Jesus, but then God empowered him to become the central figure in the founding and the launching of the church in the first century. I mean, think about it. If you read the first three or four chapters of the book of Acts, it's amazing. Who is the guy? Who's the spokesman? It's Peter. The guy who denied him three times is now declaring to the very people who crucified Jesus and the people he denied Jesus in front of. He's saying, this Jesus that you crucified, he is Lord and he is Savior and he's risen from the dead. And the church was born. And 3,000 people were saved that day. Listen, in God's Hall of Fame, everybody has faults and everybody has lots of baggage, but they all received God's forgiveness and they forgave themselves and they opened themselves up to God's potential for their life. And the question for every one of you in Bluntstown and Chipley and here in Mariana is this, will you do the same this morning? See, Jesus wants to take your burden away. What that burden is, I don't know. What is that sin, that season, that event, that decision that has never been completely just resolved in your mind? Jesus wants you to experience freedom from all that past baggage that you have in your life and experience the joy and anticipating this amazing future with Jesus because he still holds your future in his hand. And he's saying, I designed you and created you for this future. Don't miss this. Peter's step to forgiving himself was that he had to jump out of the boat, swim to Jesus, face the searing heat of his pain one more time and say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness and I'm going forward with my future. Here's my question. I don't know what your step is, but the Holy Spirit is laying a step in your heart right now of what you need to do. And the question is, will you take the step? Jesus loves you. He's already offered forgiveness to you. Will you receive his forgiveness? Will you forgive yourself? And will you join him for breakfast again? Will you do that? And will you experience the future that he's planned for you all along? So today, as, as we close, the band's gonna lead us in a song. And it's a reminder that Jesus went to the cross don't miss this. In the song, there's this line that says, so our measureless debt could be erased. Listen, I don't know what your measureless debt is, but it's that debt, it's that sin that still makes you feel guilt and shame and regret. So no matter what sin you have committed, no matter how big the regret is, Jesus wants you to know, I have forgiven you of that measureless debt. And as they sing this next song, I want you to receive, just receive that forgiveness for that measureless debt receive Jesus' forgiveness and, and then forgive yourself and say, God, I'm opening my heart to focus on this amazing future that you have for me. In fact, you can just say something in your heart as, as they sing this song out loud, just say, Lord, thank you for reminding me that you don't just forgive me for my general sin, but you forgive me for this specific sin. I realize that I've been carrying around this baggage of this one sin or these couple sins, this decision, this mistake, this regret. You, you've already chosen to forgive that. And, and I wanna trust you with my past as well as with my future. And today, I accept your forgiveness for this sin, for this regret, for this thing that's causing me shame. And don't miss this next part. And I choose to forgive myself. And I'm making myself available to focus on my future with you. And I'm gonna use my message, God, to help other people find healing and forgiveness as well. So can I pray for you? So we prepare to have this conversation with Jesus. And for some of you, you may need to have such a defining moment so you never forget it. So it, during this song, if you feel like coming to the altar and saying, God, um, here it is, I'm receiving your forgiveness. And I'm choosing to forgive myself. You respond that way. Will you pray with me, Heavenly Father? I just ask as we reflect on this next song as a prayer that we truly will turn our eyes to the hillside. The hillside where our measureless debt was erased. The hillside where mercy and justice embraced. And may this be the defining moment where we understand that justice has already been paid. It's already been taken care of. That mercy and justice embrace. And there the son of God gave his life for us and our measureless debt was erased. Father, I know there are some men and there are some women and there are some students that are sitting in our rooms this morning and they need to know that. And I just pray that during this song, as we go on this journey to the cross, through your resurrection and then into the process of you healing and restoring our lives to being what you want them to be, God, that there will be men, women, and students this morning will say, "God, I receive your forgiveness and I choose to forgive myself, and I want to just lean into this amazing future. I want to use it, God. I want to use this pain to help somebody else. Help me to experience your forgiveness today, and I choose to forgive myself. Amen.